Hi, I'm Scotty. Some of my favorite memories from college involve Baylor football. And many of those memories are accompanied by great memories of the banter that came with the territory. Yeah, it's the banter that makes college football so fun, and that's what I'm here to bring to you. Bears Illustrated presents Please Bear With Me. What did we just see on Saturday? Welcome in to this week's edition of Please Bear With Me. I'm Scotty Swingler. In just a little bit, I'll have Paul Catalina on to discuss his thoughts on Baylor's loss and the upcoming matchup with Texas. But first, let me start with this. I supported Anu Solomon as the starter. And I've been high on Zach Smith since the Oklahoma game. But for those of you who've listened to this show since the beginning, do you remember what I said on the second episode before Baylor even played a game? Take a listen. Charlie Brewer will be a better college quarterback than Zach Smith or Anu Solomon. I think Charlie Brewer is special. He has all of the immeasurables. To come in as a true freshman, undersized, no big expectations, and compete to start for as long as he did, that's a testament to this. Charlie has a Nick Florence-esque moxie to him. He has swagger. He is a leader. He has the ability to rally guys in the huddle and spark the offense to success each and every drive. I love his mobility. I think he's deceptively quick. But what makes Charlie special, you know, he gives 100% every snap. I think Charlie is one of those glue guys. He'll be a fan favorite. He's like Nick Florence, but he's more accurate. I I really think Charlie Brewer is going to be special. Charlie Brewer will be a superstar. He has charisma. He's gritty. And his ceiling is as high as a college quarterback as I can remember since probably Robert Griffin. I really can't wait to see him excel for the Bears in the future. So I know it's August of 2017, but you can say you heard it here first on Please Bear With Me when Charlie Brewer goes off. I think he's the real deal. That was from episode two of this podcast. It's been evident to me this entire time that Charlie Brewer has the highest upside as a college quarterback of the guys we have on this roster. I could see it from the get-go. So, no. I wasn't at all surprised when he led the 23-point comeback in the fourth quarter, falling just two points shy of taking West Virginia to overtime. He's just that kind of player. He's a winner. He's a gamer. He's gutsy. He's full throttle. I thought the most Charlie Brewer play we saw during the entire rally was when he put his head down and ran a cornerback over. He's the one who finished that play. That's who Charlie Brewer is. 
And I told you before the season, he's got it. He knows how to win. He knows how to lead. And I was thrilled with what we saw from him Saturday. In fact, I'm so thrilled about how well Brewer played. I just remembered something my friend Michael Bartlemy said a few weeks back on episode 6. Take a listen. Zach Smith is going to start every game until he leaves Baylor University. Period. That's a fact. And do you remember what I said back to him? I completely disagree with you. I don't think we can say that after one good performance. I do love Charlie Brewer. I like the dual threat capability he poses. So, of course, I'm sitting next to Michael during the fourth quarter, and he looks at me and says, If Charlie Brewer can do this, I'll admit that you were right, and I was wrong about the quarterback situation. Well, he sent me this after the game. A few of you heard my take a few weeks ago about Zach Smith. Well, today I'm willing to admit that that take could have been a little premature. Uh, With Charlie Brewer's excellent performance in the fourth quarter against West Virginia, I'm less ready and willing to say that Zach Smith is going to start every game until he leaves Baylor. Although, I think that's less because of Zach Smith's ability and more because of the lack of talent around him, particularly on the offensive line. I think Charlie Brewer may fit what we're trying to do, particularly right now. However, I think it's important for us to be cautious with the Charlie Brewer hype. Gerard Hurd broke Vince Young's single-game record. Zach Smith looked really, really good against Oklahoma. Let's not, let's not be too quick to anoint Charlie Brewer as the great hope. Michael makes some good points about the hype train. And listen, I'm not saying Charlie Brewer is for sure the savior. I'm just saying the dude is talented as heck, and he knows how to play quarterback. And listen, I know that Matt Rule said today that Zach Smith is still the starter as of right now, but let's be honest. Brewer has earned his way onto the field. Whoever the starter is on the depth chart, at the end of the day, the guy that's going to be out there is the guy who proves that he can move the chains. And if the trend continues, I think that's Charlie Brewer. So congratulations to Charlie on an outstanding game. I am not going to do a good, bad, and ugly this week because as much as the first three quarters were ugly and I was sitting there shaking my head and saying, maybe we just suck. Maybe it's time to accept that we're just bad. We pulled off that fourth quarter comeback. And I'm just incredibly proud of the way the guys fought, the way the guys hustled, the heart they showed. And I've got some more comments about the game, but I'm going to save those for after my conversation with Paul Catalina. So here it is. I got Paul on the phone Sunday night, got immediate reaction from the game. Here's what he had to say about Baylor football. So first of all, before we get into Saturday night, What have been your general impressions of Baylor's team thus far and what's been a very quirky and odd mixture of feelings, you know, in in this 2017 season? Well, 
Well, I mean, just to put it frankly, they're not very good right now. And they, I, I mean, I think they know that. I'm not saying anything that they don't know. I, I do think that it is, it's a weird way to look at a team. And, and I know that there's a large faction of people out there who will not be able to do this, but they essentially did, you know, didn't have one and a class, one and a half recruiting classes. And what Matt Rule did to pull in the guys who are, a lot of them who are playing now and playing pretty good, uh, you know, uh, is, is very impressive. So, uh, my impressions are I, I see a lot of potential, but they, uh, they're just, they, they don't know how to win yet. And that's clear because they're 0 7. So, right. uh, but I don't think they know exactly how to win. They're getting closer to figuring it out. I also think that there's this expectation of week-to-week progress as some sort of they're better this week than they were last week. Well, I think when you have a bunch of freshmen and sophomores, it's going to be more scattershot than that. It's going to be you'll see there will be progress. There's going to be setbacks. But overall, they're growing, and you probably won't see it until uh, – well, you'll know it when you see it. I mean, but, but – uh, the it's going to be very subtle right now. Sure. Take me through Saturday night because that was, I mean, that was crazy going from in a span of about half an hour going from thinking, well, here we go, we just suck, to <laughs> this sudden excitement. W- what is there to say about the effort they showed against West Virginia? Well, I, I think I think one of the things you really have to think think about is it was – you know, it was all on the freshmen and sophomores. Uh, all the touchdowns recorded by freshmen and sophomores, all the passing and rushing yards in that fourth quarter were freshmen and sophomores. So that is the young guys understanding their role. Uh, Tristan Edner, the light came on. Charlie mm-hmm. Brewer provided a spark. I don't know if he's going to start this week. I don't know if it's going to be Zach Smith, who apparently had uh, a stomach bug that was, that was holding him down. But I do think that you see how Brewer works in an offense compared to Zach Smith, given what the limitations are of the offensive line, uh, which is the the biggest issue this team has, uh, you do want a quarterback in there who is uh, mobile. And Zach Smith is just not the kind of mobile that they need. He's not uh, statuesque like Dan Marino. But, you know, when you have the problems that you do blocking like they do, you know, you, you probably need somebody in there at least as a change of pace to move around and they can get several first downs with his feet, not just one once in a while. So uh, I think that was the spark. And, you know, uh, they're, they're not satisfied. You can tell they're not, there's no moral victories with the team. Yeah, we're past that. You know, and that's good. I think that's a, that's a really good thing that they're, that they're, that there's not, they're not, they're not, uh, you know, oh, hey, we did better. That's good. They're not there yet. You know, and, and they'll be there when they win a game and then win another game and then win another. Um, and it, it might be just one or two this year. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, the way they played against West Virginia and Oklahoma, it wouldn't surprise me if they found a way to beat if Texas was the first win. But it would surprise me also kind of if it was. So I'll hmm. just, it's just I, I don't know what to think about, about some, some things like that. But ultimately – uh, this is a team that, that is in the embryonic stage, and you saw them maybe take a step forward in the fourth quarter on, on Saturday night. Getting back to something you said about part of Charlie Brewer's success over Zach Smith is not necessarily a direct comparison of who's better than who. It's more of the strengths and weaknesses of the team around them. 
I had a friend the other day say, Zach Smith is the right quarterback at the exact wrong time. What can we see going forward from him? Because he's obviously very talented and has a bright future and could be an NFL quarterback with his size and his arm strength. But there's some validity to the thought that if you can't protect him, maybe the freshman is a better option. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that's certainly the case. That uh, the that if you if you cannot keep him upright, then there's only one thing that you can do, you know, and you got to find somebody who can who can escape a little bit. Um, and I, I like that he's the right quarterback at the wrong time. That's that's very appropriate. So, uh, you know, Zach Smith very talented and. He's just maybe not a fit. I think that's maybe why he didn't start the season, why they tried to roll with Anu Solomon right. in the first two games, because they knew and they knew that this was coming. Now and and everybody complained and and you know, this coaching staff is has fielded a lot of complaints, but if you really look at look at things, they've kind of been right just about everything. Uh now mm. play calling and things like that, again, I think this is a coaching staff that's also growing and figuring out what they can do because it's the first time they've all been together as well with this group. So, uh, and things have changed so much injury wise and personnel wise. And this is such a unique situation. But if you really look at it, the reason they started on your in the first couple of games was because the offensive line was the way that it was. And they thought he could be a little more escapable on uh, had other issues. Just wasn't, wasn't there. And then of course, uh, suffered the concussion. So you go to Zach Smith, who's more ready. Uh, and then now you're at a point where maybe Charlie Brewer is is just ready, and a lot of people are you know thought they burned his red shirt. I can tell you right now, Scotty, I don't think that they were ever going to red shirt him. I, I, they never said that. I mean, it, you know, they kind of alluded to that maybe they would, uh, but I never thought it was the way they talked about it was not as if he was a guy who was going to red shirt. They always talked about him being in the mix for the starting job while mm-hmm. being on kind of the outside of that. Uh, and you, I think you saw why last night. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think they were ever going to redshirt him, at least not this year. I think there was maybe potential that when they get more quarterbacks in here through a recruiting class that maybe you don't redshirt the freshman, you redshirt the, the sophomore, and then when he's a junior and somebody graduates and he take, or he's a redshirt sophomore, you know, he takes over, that that's a little bit different way of doing it. But, yeah, he was never going to redshirt. So the whole idea of him – you know, burning a red shirt that didn't ever really exist, I think, is is a real is a, a mistake. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'm not gonna lie, I'm one of those guys that overreacted to that as well. And then I'm, of course, I'm thrilled that he played and did as well as he did. You know, but um, hindsight's twenty twenty. But so here's a question about this this whole quarterback thing, but maybe the philosophy at large is when you think Jeff Nixon and you think Oregon-style Oregon offense, Oregon's offense, Chip Kelly's kind of design, always, always featured a mobile quarterback. Always featured a guy who could move. A lot of times at the expense of the passing game, to be frank, if we're talking about a guy like uh, Darren Thomas or something, right? Or was that his name, Darren? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... My question is, I, I've been frustrated by what seems like a hit or miss at points. What, what, who are we? What is our strength offense? And then Charlie Brewer comes in. You add all you added was a quarterback that could move, 
and the and the light came on. And I know a lot of that has to do with he was fresh, the defense was tired. They had not seen film on him. Uh, Baylor came out in a formation that they had never showed all season. But how much of that is actually what Jeff Nixon wants to do on offense? Uh, I don't know. I don't. Here's the thing I know about Matt Rule. Matt Rule is not a guy who has because he comes from the Tom Coughlin system, who comes from the uh, Bill Parcells system, who uh, you know that's also the Belichick system, which is there's not a system. There's not a, uh, like, this, and this is what I prefer him over a lot of coaches. Because I think this is, this is where a lot of people go awry. Although you can do this in college, but the, the problem with the Bryle system was that, uh, which wasn't many, but you, it did, you know, didn't care about special teams. And it never was going to, uh, because he hated them. I mean, he straight up hated them. He, right. There's, there's no doubt about that. He hated special teams. He hated having the punt. He hated having to kick field goals. Uh, extra points were fine. He hated having to return kicks, for God's sakes. You know, everything was a fair catch. It drove me insane watching the games. And I think that was one of the reasons that they never took that next step was, if you look at teams who win the national championship, Alabama, Florida State, Florida, Ohio State, what do they do? They return kicks. They block kicks. They, they mm-hmm. do that. So that was that system. That, it also uh, it was great offensively, but it, it didn't have any care for the defense. So you've got those systems that people run. And I think it's good to have to recruit players for what you want to do. But uh, what Matt Rule likes to do is build a system based on the strengths of what you have. So Jeff Nixon was at Oregon. All right, he, he knows that Oregon system. But Matt Rule also had more of a power, you know, NFL pro-style system that, quite honestly, uh, if you look in the long run, uh, teams that are successful – over the long haul, long, long stretches of success, run a pro-style system. Florida State, Alabama, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Michigan, Ohio, Ohio State doesn't run a pro-style system now, but uh, they, they have a lot, at least on defense, they absolutely do. So, you know, those are the things that, that help. That's what gets people who want to be pro players coming to your system, is you can prove that you can get guys in the league, and that's what he wants to do. So it's going to be more NFL style and less wide open, but he will do wide open stuff because that's how things work in the Big 12. It's just going to be more of a hybrid thing. And I think, you know, that's a long way to answer your question of, I don't think that they really know what their system is. And I think it's partially because they, you know, in a normal year, they would know what their personnel was going to be from the spring on. I think the spring only gave them a thumbnail sketch of what they, they possibly had. And they're <laughs> still, they're still figuring that out based on the fact that, you know, uh, Half the guys that are playing right now weren't here in the spring uh, and probably didn't uh, get meaningful reps uh, in the summer until two and a half, three weeks in. So, you know, all those things that are going on, again, it's just part of this weird, strange year you have when you have the attrition that Baylor had uh, from last year to this year and the last two years, really. That's That's a really, really – those are some really good points. You have a lot more – access and familiarity with the facilities and the players and the coaching staff the front they're going to put up is that everybody's bought in and that this that everybody's really happy with what's going on but a 0 and 7 locker room is going to have some tensions there were a couple of guys kicked off the team a couple of weeks ago as as we well know i've heard rumblings and things from other places from what you know of the players and the coaches you've talked to is is this team completely bought into 
what's been a pretty crazy overhaul with Matt Rule? Uh, I think, and I hope this doesn't come out sounding too harsh, the players that matter have bought in. There you go. And if they haven't, then they don't matter. So if people are not buying in, they're not going to matter. Ultimately, they'll be gone. And that happens everywhere. It's not just unique to Baylor. I mean, if you do not buy in, you are, I mean, you don't matter. I mean, you're going to be gone. And it doesn't matter how good you may think you are, you are where you are. So you better buy in or get gone. And uh, I, that's why the, the players who are gone now are gone. And because they, you know, they didn't want to be a part of it. And, you know, for Matt Rule's part, you don't want players, especially in the situation they're in right now, you don't want players to, to be there that don't want to be there. If they're not going to do what everybody else is doing, then yeah. So I would say the lion's share of people have bought into it. Do they probably have their doubts or especially the guys that, that came from Bryles? Yeah, they probably have some doubts. But the bottom line is uh, they are where they are. And you can either continue to doubt and think that you know more than the coaches, which it's a very rare situation where any player ever does. So, uh, or you can – or you can buckle up and do the work and get better, uh, because I don't I don't think that you can point to many decisions or many things that have happened with Baylor's zero and seven record and say, well, this is totally bad coaching. This is this is you know they're trying to, to fit a square peg in a round hole. Now they're they're just they're just trying to figure out who they are, and and I don't think that they I don't think they have an identity yet, which is goes back to your earlier question of. Uh, this is, you know, what they're trying to do. And I don't think that particularly you can establish an identity on offense or on defense if you don't have good play along the lines, which, let's face it, they haven't. So, right. uh, you know, the, you don't have an identity, you just have spurts. And the fact that uh, they have the spurts that they have shows you what kind of talent they have, but uh, it's not necessarily along uh, the hog mollies up front, and that's on both sides of the ball. And that's, that's where you win. Uh, you know, everybody can think, you know, teams win because they've got great skill players, and that, that's only partially true. The teams that, the teams that dominate, the teams that, that absolutely control the world, and uh, I'll, just, I'll use LSU, for example. The reason LSU never falls too far off, and, and even though they had a rough start to this year or starting to bounce back, is because the five guys that they, that they start on the offensive line and the six or seven guys they rotate in on the defensive line as starters uh, are all NFL players. And they're all dudes. right. So that's how you keep yourself from falling too far back. And that's what they just don't have right now. And, you know, and people probably don't remember this, but, you know, we do because, you know, we were there covering it. But Art Bryles was concerned about the offensive line going into last season. Right. So yeah. He, he, was, he was very publicly concerned about it. He said, yeah, that's going to be something we're going to have to, to overcome. And, and guys are going to have to step up because there was, a lot of experience that they were losing. So, um, you know, that was that was coming. I mean, that, that, you know, um, top 15, 10 recruiting class, whatever they're going to have or not, uh, that was coming. And uh, even still, okay, uh, one of the guys they lost, J.P. Urquidez, is, you know, you would think with all the problems that Texas is having on the offensive line that he would get some playing time. He's not. So what makes you think he'd be playing here right now? Even even if everything was the same, he can't break the lineup there, and they've got all kind of problems on the offensive line. Patrick Hudson's hurt, so we don't really know about him, you know. And and then of course you lose a guy like Ish Wilson, and you know he's he's to me a cautionary tale about transfers. You know, if the, if the guy 
if the guy got run into A&M and, you know, they didn't, they didn't fight to keep him, then did, do you really want him? I mean, you know, I know, I know what Baylor was doing. Like he was good and we can fix him, but, you know, sometimes if, if a, a school that runs almost an identical system, Bryles and Sumlin's offense and their systems are almost identical. Right. Uh, if they, if they couldn't make it work and he didn't like it there, what do you, what makes you think he's gonna, he's gonna like it in the same thing, you know? Uh, so that was probably gonna happen the minute he got, he left A&M. He was probably gonna leave another place. That's just how it goes. And sometimes transfers are great things because they don't fit somewhere or they want to be a different place. And sometimes we transfer so to me, and the example I'm giving is when you transfer from a place that's almost exactly the same system-wise, you know, wh- wh- why did you do that? Was it just the coach? Uh, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Sometimes it's you, and I think that that's, that was the case there. So, yeah, there was, this was coming. This was – it may be not this bad, but they were going to have problems on, along the offensive line. No, that's, that's a great thought, and that's a great point. Last kind of question for you, and you can go with it wherever you'd like. Looking ahead to next week, there's a lot of question marks about Baylor, but what what do we know about Texas, and what do we know about what we are going to have to do well in order to beat Texas? What they're going to have to do well is uh, muster up some offense because that Texas defense is absolutely playing fantastic. Yes. I actually actually think the better hire than Tom Herman was Todd Orlando. That was the the best Mm. guess that they got. Was, was not Tom Herman, it was Todd Orlando. Uh, the good news for Baylor fans is, is that Texas probably isn't going to score that many points either. Because in my opinion, and I've said this on the air, they run a high school offense. <laughs> uh, and they do. I mean, it's zone read right, zone read left, you know, deep pass. Uh, there's not a lot of, there's not a really developed route system. I mean, I know that a lot of colleges don't have a route tree, but they, they're not doing a lot of, a lot of crazy things. They're trying to beat you with, you know, pure raw strength and athleticism. They've got some really good players uh, as wide receivers, Colin Johnson, Devin, yes. Duvernay, who, Devin Duvernay, who they never get the ball to, um, Chris Warren, who just now led them in receiving for the or the rushing for the first time, at least as far as carries go. They're going to run the quarterbacks a lot. And Sam Ellinger uh, uh, apparently has a head injury that they're monitoring, so moder- monitoring right now. So maybe they see Shane Bouchelle. It, there's all these different things that, that you got to think about. But uh, the, the bottom line is Baylor's going to have to find a way to muster up some points to get uh, to, to beat Texas because they're not going to allow that many. But I would think in this game, if somebody gets to 20, 24 points, they're probably going to win unless Texas offense just explodes next week. And I don't particularly see that happening given uh, how it's gone the last few weeks. Do you think that's all the more reason for Charlie Brewer to get the start? Yeah, I do. I think, I think especially the way that defensive line is getting after quarterbacks, you need somebody who can get away, and that's, that's why Charlie Brewer probably is going to get the start. Uh, I, I, oh, I would, anyway. But, again, uh, I would trust in the coaching staff and what they do because they're going to watch a lot more film than you and I will ever watch, and they know <laughs> things. But I, I – I, I think there's potential to see both quarterbacks, and I think Charlie Brewer probably plays quite a bit. Well, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Hey, thank you so, so very much. Anytime, man. Anytime you need it. Just a reminder, make sure to check out Paul every day of the week on 1660 ESPN Radio from 3 to 6 
on You Make the Call. They've got a great program. Now, I just want to get into one more little rant before I let you go for the week. And that has to do with game attendance. And if you follow me on Twitter, you saw me go off on Twitter. And so I'm sorry if I'm repeating anything for you, but I think this is important to talk about. I got an email this week from a guy named Ryan. I've never met him. I don't know him. But he emailed me and talked about how he sat through the years as a Baylor student that were the worst of the worst. Kind of like you've heard Tim Watkins say on this show before. That his time at Baylor was when it felt good to win four games. If they could even get there. And he talked about how Sometimes it's easy for us to get angry or frustrated, but he just remembers those days and how hard they were and how he stuck around for Baylor football during those days. So it's easy for him to stick around now because he has that perspective. Believe it or not, I was at all of those same games Ryan was at. My parents had season tickets the entire time I was a kid. We went to every single home game, and it didn't matter how bad Baylor was. I saw guys like Vince Young and Adrian Peterson absolutely torch us back in the mid-2000s. And I have a very vivid memory from my childhood at Floyd Casey Stadium, standing in the pouring rain. There might have been a couple thousand Baylor fans in the stands, but it wasn't more than that. I mean, it was a torrential downpour, and the stadium was empty. Baylor's out there losing, and my dad and I stood through the game. And I never forgot that, and I never will forget that, because the commitment that you are making when you buy a season ticket or when you go to a football game is to support the guys on the field regardless of the weather, regardless of the score, not because... They're winning or losing, but because they are wearing Baylor across their chest. And as a Baylor alum, I'm super passionate about this. So I have a rule, and my friends and I are pretty good about following this rule. I've only ever broken this rule once, and I still feel guilty about it to this day. (laughs) If you come to a Baylor football game, stay until the Baylor line is played after the game. I'll say it again. This is my challenge to you. If you come to a Baylor football game, you stay until that Baylor line is played after the game. Here's why. It was very, very evident Saturday night that most of the people that bought tickets to watch Baylor play against West Virginia for homecoming were completely disgusted with what they saw on the field because by the end of the third quarter, the stadium was mostly empty. And that broke my heart for those dudes on the field, especially this season. The guys left on this football team have been through hell. They've been giving their all for no other reason than because they want to represent Baylor well. And they want to fight for each other. The least we can do is support them with our time. I had a guy tweet at me after the game, you know, it's all about entertainment. 
if we're not being entertained, we're going to leave. And I think that's the complete wrong perspective to take. I don't think you go to a college football game to be entertained. I think you go because they're wearing Baylor across their chest. And because they're wearing Baylor across their chest, that's reason enough for me to stay and support them. And you saw after the game, Matt Rule, very specifically, thanked the fans that stayed till the end of the game. Connor Martin, who's been outstanding for Baylor this season, got on Twitter and thanked the fans who stayed until the end of the game. They notice. It matters. And that stadium got loud in that fourth quarter as Charlie Brewer and the Bears and Treston Ebner and all those guys were fighting back and making plays and getting back into that game. It got loud. And there were probably maybe 20,000 fans left, and that's optimistic. More like 15. Think about how rocking that place could have been if all 40,000, 45,000 fans who had come and stayed. Think about all the people that left during the infamous 61-58 game against TCU. Think about all the people that left that game. And they all want to run around with 61-58 painted on their signs, but they left early. Listen, if you can't stay, don't don't claim the win. Like, Don't be like, I was at that game. I saw Baylor beat TCU 61-58. No, you probably weren't. Half of you left. Half of you left at the start of the fourth quarter. And we almost saw another colossal comeback and an upset at that Saturday night. And most of you missed it. And again, I'm not saying you should have stayed because we came back. Although it's important to remember the game wasn't out of reach despite what most of us thought, including myself. You stay because those guys are representing the school that you love. And these guys in particular, this season, have put it all on the line to represent Baylor well. And for that, they deserve our support and they deserve our respect. And when they look up into the stands at the end of the game, at the end of an incredible fight and an incredible comeback and an incredible performance, and none of us are up there, what does that say? doesn't send a great message I can tell you that and I've cooled down a little bit since Saturday I know I got back and forth with some people on Twitter Saturday and if I'm if I made you mad if I offended you I'm sorry but it's something I'm very passionate about and I, I'm gonna challenge you I, this is a way that you know if you want to see Baylor football be one of the more respected one of the better college football programs in the nation this is where we start A&M fans don't leave the game early. You know? Ohio State fans don't leave early. Those, those fans stay because win or lose, they support their football team. Till the end. Because it says Aggies or Ohio State on those jerseys. So, take that for what you will. But that's my take on that. Stay until the Baylor line is played after the game. Give those players a round of applause. These guys especially have earned it. And if you left, you missed a great comeback. And, you know, the players noticed. And that's all I've got for you. I'd like to thank Jeremy Wilson, Tim Watkins. Thanks again to Paul Catalina for coming on. Thanks to Travis Thompson for making all of the music you heard on today's podcast. For BearsIllustrated.com, 
I'm Scotty Swingler. This has been Please Bear With Me.